Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Hey, culminators. Today, we're going to be talking to Chris Ruby, friend of mine who has been doing some very interesting stuff. I don't really know how she got into this spot, but she's there and it's getting very interesting. She's the CEO of Ruby Media, which is an award-winning social media agency. She's an expert on, on artificial intelligence, believe it or not. I, I didn't know anyone could be an expert on artificial intelligence, much less someone I know. Machine learning, social media, PR, politics, and big tech. She's a very smart lady. She's also found herself doing some undercover investigative journalism work that has actually caught the attention of his most, most royal majesty, Elon Musk. And he has shared on Twitter uh, his view that her work with Rotha Reed uh, she gave Musk a public ultimatum on Twitter that said, can I release the unredacted files? She's got a bunch of stuff that his official press corps, uh, his little team of carefully selected um, journalists, uh, has evidently not seen, or if they have seen it, they haven't told us about it. Elon said, just leave out the contact information and the names of junior employees and go ahead and do it. She's using the hashtag Ruby files. We'll throw that up on the screen in post-production. And you can find a series of natural language processing n-grams. You know what n-grams are, don't you? Used in Twitter's machine learning algorithm under U.S. political information. Whoa, what is this? <laughs> Follow Chris on Twitter at SparklingRuby. And that's where you can find all the stuff that she's been writing about on this topic and all the other interesting things that Chris has been writing about all this time. Uh, she, the core of this is an interview with a former Twitter employee, not the fake ones who came out with the boxes. Okay, <laughs> those those guys we've resolved. They give an inside look about how Twitter uses machine learning to censor content on the right, which is what I suspect, by the way, is what they're using to prevent Ron Coleman from gaining followers after hitting certain plateaus. Um, keywords in the Ngram list that were flagged include my pillow, American flag emojis, voter fraud. No, I myself might actually filter all those keywords out of my own Twitter as well, but Twitter shouldn't be doing it. So let's get to it. I've been doing all the talking here and really Chris is the one who's the interesting one. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Ron. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Well, it is very nice. I, I must say, uh, you know, you and I have been interacting uh, a little bit on screen. We had the pleasure of uh, having a chat with my hero, uh, Ben Stein, uh, last year. And um, also offline. And all of a sudden, you, you're in the mix with this Twitter stuff. <laughs> What's the story? How much? I, I guess you can't tell us everything, but 
What can you tell us? It's really been crazy over the past month, to be honest. This all started, by the way, when I just wanted to find out what guano meant. Okay, guano was the word that was used. When the first Twitter file drop came out, there was a screenshot in it. I think it was of libs of TikTok. And at the top of it, or at the left, whatever, it said guano. So instead of focusing on what everyone else now, guano on, is guano is batshit, of course. Okay, well, so Twitter had a different definition for no, guano. but the well, my my assumption is that they made a, they made a category of people that they considered batshit crazy. Oh, okay, all that's, right. Well, that's perhaps. you can use that. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to know what guano meant. And then I started looking at it because that's what, to me, that was what was really interesting. You could start to see, it was the first time we saw, uh, what, what did the back end look like, right? And there were different terms on that that weren't really explained in that first file drop. And so I wanted to know what did all this mean? So I took matters into my own hands. Once I saw that files were not going to be released publicly, I uh, then got in touch with a source, learned what guano meant, but had so many more questions. And one so thing- So let me, let me back up. Source, did you- did the source is liberal and uh, it's it's clear, right? I'm out there. We have very different political perspectives and views. And so I think that there's just so much, so much nuance, I think, in content moderation and in how this story is being told. And I certainly, you know, anyone reading that article, which is now up to almost 30,000 words, is basically a small novel at this point. I keep adding to it and I keep getting more data scientists' opinions. And what's in crazy, Ron, is like no two data scientists seem to have the same opinion on literally anything, which I've discovered. So that's well, all. I think we should have discovered that during the 2020, after the 2020 election. So... <laughs> Okay, so basically, I break down exactly what their process was. Now, Elon Musk, when asked about this, stated that he wouldn't even call it AI, that Twitter's former usage of AI was extremely primitive. Other data scientists have confirmed that, yes, actually, their methodology was primitive. However, that being said, primitive or not, you can still see what was starting to happen and how it happened. And you can see that there is clear political algorithmic bias in how content was moderated for accounts who had under 10,000 followers. So that is something I learned throughout this process that I think the Twitter files don't tell the full story of, right? Oh, so, this is the so, right, so the focus of what this person was telling you about was a system to moderate smaller accounts. Yes. Well, there were, so their system under in data science was U.S. political misinformation. There were many different systems within data sciences and I, in, at Twitter, and there were over 30 different data scientists, I believe. So this is just a small snapshot of data over a small period of time. But this is the first time the public has ever actually been able to look under the hood. And of course, people are like angry because they don't know what they're looking at. And they want context. And I would love context too. And so it's almost the best way to describe it is I'm presenting the finished version. Like it's like a, a cake that's already been baked, but people want to know, okay, well, what ingredients went into that cake to make it the way that it is and how it looks. And the only way to do that, Ron, is to gain access to more files, which I, I don't have. And so that's why you're seeing all of this publicly play out on Twitter, where I, I don't have a, you know, I think these other Twitter files, writers have direct access and communication with Ella Irwin or with Elon Musk or anyone over there to request records and files. I don't have that. I would very much like to have that so that I could share with people. You can see the detections, you can see tweets, and now you can see why those tweets were detected. But here's the underlying vocabulary that was used to train that model. Okay, so here you can see an example 
for the Ruby files number 24, you can start to see weird things that are flagged. Sam means state affiliated media. But in the data set, why is US Pfizer docs flagged as possible misinformation? We know that those Pfizer docs were technically, I believe, part of litigation and released as part of it, correct, Ron? I That's don't. What those Pfizer docs are referring to. So, so here's it, what's really. It, so it could be, but there's no way to necessarily tell from looking at this. Exactly. So, so this is the other issue that I have. Now we go back to the baked cake example. You can see the cake. This is the cake, but you can't see what was used to make the cake. That's really what we need. All right, but let's back up. This is a list mm -hmm. of categories. Yes. Categories of what? of categories of what was flagged under Twitter as policy violations or different pieces of content that were deemed US political misinformation. Right, right. It, it then went to manual review or human or continue down the ML path. But and did you ever did you ever reach out to Manuel Review and ask if, if he could comment on any of this? No. Comedy time <laughs> included in your culmination subscription. Okay, sorry. Back back to no, business. But, so here's the thing: vaccine misinfo science type one, COVID URL generic, France and Germany specific. Do you see how many COVID nineteen misleading info treatments? So this is what we need for the people who are focused on covering COVID. This is a bombshell because similar to the Google. Google has something called Google Quality Rater Guidelines. It's an internal document that's actually made available to the public of how websites are ranked, how you can tell if a website is quality. Essentially, Twitter must have had their own version of this for training data. They must have a document. They're not just going to put out policies like this without anything behind it. That's what we need to see. Those are the records that I'm publicly requesting access to because what is, for example, vaccine misinfo science type one? What's the definitional term of that? What is the definitional term of COVID misleading info treatments? Those documents exist somewhere. And I think that's what we need to be pushing to see. And have you tried to to speak to any of the, you know, any of that club, you know, no. the Barry Weiss, uh, Matt Tybee club? No, they can see what I'm doing on here. Right. They obviously know, are aware of No it. one has reached out that's working on this to me. You know, what else? You know, there's, a, there's so much in here. I mean, you can, what's fascinating to me is that some stuff is legitimate misinformation, not everything. So that I see a mixture, some stuff you can say, okay, yes, this actually was a piece of misleading media, but other things like edited photo, it's just not clear that it is US Biden clip taken out of context. There was some, that may be pertaining to the, the red lighting when people this remember is phenomenal. I mean, because there's because there, really it's almost as if every news item <laughs> is in this category. And yet your understanding is that that was even things like photos from the bicentennial. Yep. In 2021, somehow they evidently were deeming some to be misinformation or unacceptable content. Yes, exactly. In my opinion, I don't know what more you could ask for in terms of data. To me, this isn't left, this isn't right, this is just pulled from data sets. And so I, I put it up, you know, I said, make your own determination. What do you think? Do you have the full set or do you I have do. samples? No, I have the full set of each of these files. 
for, and it goes up until October 2022. But again, this is only in U.S. political misinformation. And I say U.S. because what's fascinating is you actually see their Twitter was policing all over the world. A lot of this stuff, you see COVID Germany, COVID France. Well, why is all of that under U.S. political misinfo? You see pages and pages and pages of stuff pertaining to the Brazil elections. Again, falls under U.S. All of these vaccine videos, ton, there's a ton of stuff in India, misleading info. Perfect. Example, COVID-19 misleading info treatments, non-strike. Wouldn't you kill to know what is the definition of misleading info treatment? Do you, do you know the definition of non-strike? No, this is this is what I'm like trying to scream into a void. This is what we need from a legal perspective. And Ben Stein said the same thing, because if we could get that, then you really have something. You actually have a legitimate case because this is just hard data. It's sitting on a pile of evidence. And we have no reason to believe that these categories don't are not still in place and not and are not still doing what they did a year ago, right? I have no evidence that the categories have been removed. But, I've but, asked that question publicly. I'd like to know, but based on the current shadow banning on on Twitter, I don't know that anything's different. All right. So let's, unless you have more that you want to show us, let's. Oh, sorry. Okay. Old Fauci interview. Well, I think this gives a good. Let me just open up one more with you because I think. Look at this. Wait, Brazil premature claims of victory. Do you see how this could be? concerning to the people of Brazil, where suddenly Twitter is policing everything around their election. Oh, wait, hold on. Here we go. Brazil, tweet claims people have already voted on round two with photo proof. Photo of what looks like Bolsonaro with an image of what could be Satan. Elect video claim. So there are direct parallels to what is deemed misinformation in Brazil and what is deemed misinformation for US elections, which I thought was really interesting. But look at this, Ron. You look at this and you say, Okay, like there's no question in my mind that Twitter took a hard stance. We now have proof to show that all of this was flagged as as misinformation. These are all policies and you can see the dates. So if Elon believes in free speech, he needs to take this one step further. We need to know what is vaccine misinfo safety type one? What vaccine safety manual, what does that mean? People are asking me as if I know, but I don't actually know because I don't have the underlying vocabulary and training materials. So this is why I feel like we're sitting on something so important. And bigger picture, right? What else is going on here is this is evidence. I mean, well, first of all, how how confident are we about the reliability of, of this material? I mean, Elon Musk saw it. He said it was worth a read. He uh, then saw again where he said that I could share the other information. So it, to me, it appears that that is a, a nod from him. One uh, thing he didn't say was, what is this garbage? Yeah, exactly. There's no, there's and no that's what Judah thing. and Ben brought up. He certainly could have said, none of this is real. He didn't. That tells me, you know, he also said I could release the rest of the stuff. He didn't say, no, don't. The stuff is real. By the way, Something There's so much I could talk about here, but one of the other things I want to talk about that I recently discovered, which is fascinating and morbid, is that Twitter, like all social media companies, keeps track of death count, daily death count of users for username cleanup. Fascinating, right? So that, to me, is also a really important metric. When people are arguing on Twitter spaces every day about COVID, the pandemic, lockdowns, did it hurt people? Did, what, you know, Let's look at that data. 
that's an important number. How many people action or uh, reached out to Twitter and said, I have a deceased relative, please remove their account on a daily basis. And what does that look like over a 10 year period of time? What I also find fascinating looking at these categories is that it is evidence that Twitter was involved and probably still is involved in a massive, massive enterprise of content moderation across very, very broad categories. It's not as if they said, listen, by and large, people can say what they want on Twitter. Okay, so we can't be the free speech wing of the free speech movement anymore, but it's going to be pretty much open. Just there are four or five or six or 10 topics that we're going to sort of keep a special eye on. And if someone draws our attention to them, or if we, or even if we have AI, it's not five or 10, it's not 10 or 15. Evidently it's hundreds, thousands. Yes. And it goes across vast categories. So Twitter essentially is a publication. It, 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 it has automated and non-automated editors who decide what will be the content of Twitter. What will Twitter say? And part of what Twitter will say will include a certain amount of dissenting voices from Twitter's central message. But essentially, Twitter is not as so much a forum as a you know, as I said, it's a publication, it's a magazine. There's an important point in all of this, which is that what they did was misleading. What they did is say, and you can see that on the libs of TikTok account where it's flagged, where it says, do not take action. And so the source I spoke with also verified that we couldn't take action on an account that had over 10,000 followers. That meant that libs of TikTok or Ron Coleman or Chris Ruby could use the American flag emoji. We could talk about any of these terms and there wouldn't be consequences. Well, no, no, I, I think that's, a, unless I'm really missing something, I, I think what they're saying is at this level of automation or management, you can't take action. Obviously, very large accounts had action taken against them, including a number of my clients. But the automated systems that knocked out smaller accounts, and, and, and the logic behind that, I imagine, would have been that, what Twitter was concerned with, uh, giving them every benefit of the doubt, is not discourse between sophisticated or among sophisticated parties like you and me and uh, Jack Posobiec, but we're accountable, we're real people, you know who we are, you can take us or leave us, and if we don't really step on certain third rails, we'll probably won't, we might be shadow banned, like as yeah. I have definitely been, um, but we're not going to get kicked off the platform. What it looks like they're they're working on here is a system for capturing relatively small accounts. Now, under ten thousand is not a teensy account, but probably under a thousand is an account that simply does not matter. But let's just say, for argument's sake, between a thousand and ten thousand, those are the accounts where, if I'm Twitter and I'm worried about manipulation of the platform, I or or bots a term that is misused on a, not on a daily basis, every single second on Twitter, someone misuses the term bots somewhere in the world. But if we see lots of smaller accounts using lots of, of suspicious emojis, that looks to us like platform manipulation. That doesn't, that's, that, and we're not worried about, pers about personalities. We're worried about 
programs. So the, so the response, and it might very well be, there's a very legitimate response to this, which is that we're, all this is is counter-programming to what we believe was external programming meant to manipulate the Twitter ecosystem. That's why that's why this program only accounts to, uh, only applies to accounts under ten thousand. One response to that might be: so, in other words, did you have any way to distinguish between grassroots sentiment and automated? Phenomenal. So I think so. So to answer your question, more sophisticated machine learning technology today has sentiment analysis built into it. It's critical to understand that the primitive nature of some of the tools being used here led to a lot of bad things happening. And what I mean by that is that it, it created very broad strokes. So the the machine, if you are if you're flagging voter fraud. That machine can't tell the difference between you saying that voter fraud is a lie or I believe voter fraud happened. Both people will be wiped out for that. All right. Now that's what's, oh, because it's essentially looking for the use of a term. Yes, but, but let's compare that, for example, to new large language models today or OpenAI or ChatGPT. And so let's bring this... Let's bring this back to where we are today, which is that AI is going, it's great. It's going to change my business. It's going to change your business. It's going to change everyone's business in terms of process automation, our ability to get creative out much faster, our ability to edit, come up with ideation for text, for proposals, whatever, right? There's so many great things. So I'm not here fear-mongering about AI. I'm a, a major proponent of it in every way. That being said, it also has to be balanced with some of the risks and concerns that AI can be used to fundamentally recreate speech. And if you have fears about censorship, this is censorship at scale times 5,000%. And now people are already pointing that out, by the way, uh, with chat GPT. And you can see it if you ask certain questions, you can see it with, and that all has to do with the training data. And so they're just discovering this today. And I'm what I'm really saying is what you're discovering today has been going on at Twitter for years. The difference is you just didn't know it because OpenAI is actually telling you like, we can't answer this or that word isn't allowed or Midjourney says you can't use the word vaccine, you can't use the word censor. They tell you what words are banned. With Twitter, that never happened. You didn't know what prompts really prompted uh, things. You just knew that you got suspended temporarily, but you didn't know why. So it's almost like the reverse of exactly what's playing out on a much larger scale. Also, the fact is there are lots and lots of people who are legitimate, often non-anonymous, and sincere participants in Twitter who have fewer than 10,000 accounts. And yeah, I mean, not everyone has the charm and and uh you know uh you know dynamic uh power to to enhance you know to, to attract users the way you and i do and i i follow many accounts that have under ten thousand followers now and now this makes me this helps me understand why i so often see messages from people saying that they've been banned three or four times mm -hmm. They've probably been banned entirely by virtue of these automated systems. Yeah. And they've never got, guess what? I had 3,000 followers on Twitter for years. 
and years. I mean, 3,000. I don't <laughs> care. No one was interested in what I had to say. So I met Mark, Mike Cernovich and got into a conversation with him. And, and, and then it was to the moon. But if you don't find a way to pick up some clout, you're, you're, you're never going to get very big. That Does that mean that every user, I mean, one of the things that I focus on in, in my thinking on this, Chris, is that it, it's, first of all, been called into question by at least one court, whether or not a Twitter user is a fairly considered a customer of Twitter. And you know the old adage, if you're not paying for the service or for the, for the product, then you are mm. the product. Okay. But as a, it's every user is still a person, unless they're not. But if they're not, then I don't care about them. But those who are, are entitled to have their expectations about the endeavor that they're getting involved in reasonably respected. And in fact, if you're the, if you're the product, that is an even stronger argument for protecting you. Because I'm giving of my time and some resources to provide a product to you, Twitter. Mm. If, you, if you're not going to say that I have rights as a, as a customer. And look, at the end of the day, if you say that, if you, Twitter, say that under the terms of service, you have a 100% ironclad right to, to ban me for any reason or no reason, then I'm not a then that means that anything less than that, obviously, I I, I have no rights at all. So, I'm, so I clearly am not in, in any kind of mutual agreement. It's all one way. You can't say, oh, Ron, you're getting a benefit. It's not a benefit. What kind of benefit is it if you could take it away from me any second? But here's the thing. You can't follow the rules if you don't know what the rules are. Right. That's yes, the transparency is absolutely, th there's no getting away from that. But rules are, so rules are, are forms of language. And that's what I want people to understand, right? They're ah. coded, it's all coded language. And so now people are starting to see this. If you try and make an image on mid-journey and you use imagine slash vaccine, it says banned. The word vaccine is banned. You cannot create AI art with the word vaccine on mid-journey. Let's talk about that. Right, mid, that's a, right, so explain what Midjourney mid is. So Midjourney is an AI art generator tool. Have you have you played around with AI? I no, made a picture for not you really. Once. No, I haven't. Imagine this, Ron, where you're telling everyone to get a vaccine, but you can't create artwork of a vaccine. I mean, just just this is what I'm. I feel like no one knows what the hell I'm talking about. We don't. Most of us don't. Uh, yeah, so but this... it's so concerned. We're in a code red situation, Ron. Do you want to see examples of like artwork that I've made, or you want to see me? You want to see how it does? I want, I, I want whatever we need to, to understand to people what, because you mentioned it in, in passing as if uh, both I and the 14 people listening to this, <laughs> what you were talking about. So I made a picture for you. Did I not send it to you? It was really cool. I, I, I think you did. It was a view, but it didn't know you. Well, that's the whole thing. See, the legal, this whole, Law is going to change around AI, the AI copyright law, which is just really murky right now. Yeah, but I mean, and I th I think it's going to, it is murky. And, and I think the only way it's going to change is it's going to have to change from Congress. Um, and Congress doesn't really pass legislation anymore. It basically just deals, it just gives away money. Uh, like, I, I don't think, you know, the court, I mean, the Supreme Court, was it the Supreme Court? I think it was the Second Circuit held that, you know, you remember the, the gorilla selfie. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Supreme Court said that if, you know, if, if there's not a person, if there, you know, there has to be a human intelligence 
uh, mm. behind a work for it to be considered a protectable work under copyright law. AI, I think, would be different because you're using, you're directing tools um, yes. with some degree of, um, oh, it was monkey selfie, uh, with some degree of intelligence. So you do imagine? Um, give me a prompt of something you'd want to see in a court. Something pertaining to law. To law, um, a um, witness. No, most of the things in court are not that interesting. They're mostly just right angles. A jury box. Oh, that's. I'm telling you, it's not. It's 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 not rather helpful. It's, it's not. It's not very helpful. Okay. Um. Give me something for Twitter. Imagine. Um. Imagine. Imagine. Um. A chihuahua. Um. A chihuahua holding. <laughs> a phone tweeting on Twitter. So do you start to, can you see how quickly this is making this AI, like it, it's crazy, right? It just made you this picture based on your words. Oh, jury box in Manhattan. How did it know Manhattan? Because that's oh, where I put, I put Manhattan in. Oh, okay. So, right. So you can see, and then you would choose which one you'd want. I'd give it to you. And then you could add it to your blog post. You could tweet it. So actually there was a Twitter space last night with conservative content creators. One of them was saying how they only use this for their work. Now they pay for Midjourney. Also uh, there's different AI image generators, but I mean, the ability for people, instead of looking for a stock photo, but look, so, oh my God, by the way, oh my God, so cute. I love these pictures. I will use these, a chihuahua tweeting on Twitter. These are adorable. These are really, really cute. So I would probably use that for something or you could just tweet it. But now let's just look, imagine vaccine. Oh, look, here we go. That's what you're talking about. Do you see? So here, this is the future of art. And th this is everything up until this week of cup, but this is the most important part. We are talking about the future of art. This is the biggest creative renaissance since the printing press. And here's what you're watching in real time where if I'm a, an AI artist creating digital art, I cannot create art with the word vaccine. Circumventing this filter could result, may result in your access being revoked. I make sometimes the um, thumbnails for for, uh, for this podcast. Okay. Because I like to have a little bit of fun. And I uploaded an app. And I, this is, uh, you know, one of these graphics apps. And as I was doing it, I saw that it had an AI mm. avatar generator. Mm, careful. And, oh, you made one. Yeah, right. Well, I made one. Actually, I made a hundred. Did you, you paid for it? I paid three dollars. OK. Yeah, but it's training on your face. That's the problem. Well, but the amazing thing is. Mm. You can make really deep fake porn with it now. Ah, please, it's just me. But <laughs> and what's weird is that. Some of them pull this, some up. I want to see. I want to. This see doesn't really. This like this is these are like kind of alternative Ron Coleman's, right? That yeah. don't really exist. And you know, as as my son mentioned when I showed this to him, he said, you know, AI can can really be, be very dis, you know discomforting. Um, <laughs> on the so on the one hand, there's a really powerful a there's a really powerful tool. B, the uh, potential for abuse is phenomenal. And C. You have platforms like the one you just showed us where they're obviously one of the things you were telling us is that that's a, that is the technology that's far beyond what appears to have been what you call the primitive technology being used by Twitter. And they're shutting down 
you know, certain kinds of concepts as being the subjects for depiction. Yes. Uh, and this is, and that's just art. Okay, I mean, to, to some extent, we're, we're we are uh, comparing apples and oranges, right? Because Twitter is dealing with essentially with uh, with text and meaning. Uh, but no, but but in both cases, they're dealing with concepts. In both cases, right? They're 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 picking up um, and trying to 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 re regulate context. In the waning moments, Chris, what do you think is going to be next? You, do you, do you, do you have any? Have you done anything to try to broaden your your investigation on this? Yeah, so other I, I than think... contacting people who have ignored you so far, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't contact them. But um, I think that this, I think we need to increase digital media literacy about what AI is, how it can be used, and how it can be abused. I think AI for business owners, right? Even like your use case, whether it's for your podcast or a new profile picture, or how you're going to create a new uh, statement of works or proposals or contracts for your law firm, right? Like there is not an industry that will not be transformed and fundamentally changed or altered by this technology. But people need to understand what are those guardrails. What does that look like? And I don't think they really have a grasp of that until that they hit something where they're like, wait, why can't I use this word? Why can't I make this picture? And to me, this is this this is like the next industrial revolution. This is larger than the printing press. And this I'm not, that's not that's not dramatic language here, Ron. Conservatives who want to talk about free speech or who care about free speech and don't take the time to understand how machine learning operates really puts them at a significant disadvantage to be able to fight I'm, for I'm fairness. Just, I'm putting up on, on, you know, on, on the screen here, a friend of mine from um, uh, New York uh, Young Republican Club who has left New York wisely. Uh, but she, Alexandra is a freelance writer and she's now, and she has been, very aggressively on social media talking about how people can get and do get freelance work and how she can teach them how to do this and you know explaining how people have to they must use ai to, to as part of their business or else it's going to put them out of business that's correct okay so i'm going to share my screen with you but because you haven't looked at you haven't looked at chat gpt uh no Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you right now. It's gonna like blow your mind. Write ten interview questions about how um, Twitter use artificial intelligence for content. Right. So this is this is the topic of our, our our podcast today. Let's say you want to prepare for this podcast, but you're super behind. You have other things to do. Let's see what ChatGPT can do for us. Now, I instantly in 20 seconds, I've just saved like an hour of work. And these are these are good, solid questions. How does Twitter use AI for content moderation? I, re I realize not everyone has video. Can you explain the process of AI flagging and removing harmful content on Twitter? How does Twitter's AI system determine whether a tweet is in violation of its policies? Can you discuss any challenges or limitations in using AI for content moderation? How does it, Twitter's AI system handle false positive and mistakes? Can you speak to the effectiveness? To some extent, these are very, a lot of these are the same questions in somewhat mm -hmm. different wording. Um, how does Twitter, but let's, if you don't, if, if you're not ready and you need to ask questions and you, or at least you need to start the conversation, can you discuss partnerships or collaborations 
that Twitter has formed to improve its AI-based content moderation system. So here, here the bot is um, is swinging out to a little bit more imaginative questions. How does tweet Twitter's AI system work with human? Uh, you, you're going to get a lot of false positives on this. Who is Jack? But I want to show you why this this is important because you used the term right wing before. But I think I don't think any of us are you know like. I, Jack, Everything's relative. That's right. But look, and, I mean, here we go again. Jack, a far right, any conspiracy. Do you see how it is wow. regurgitated? Any QAnon. This Jack is a because a far right political commentator and conspiracy theorist in the U.S. He's known for promoting false and misleading information, particularly related to the 2016 U.S. presidential election oh and the QAnon conspiracy theory. That's a lie. This is That's this is what lie. I'm saying. Do you? This is you're getting it. This I'm like this he is, is what I want. He's also known for promoting white supremacist views and served as special projects director for the conservative organization Citizens for Trump. He's banned by several social media platforms for spreading misinformation. This is misinformation. This... Yes, exactly. You get it. This is what I'm trying to say. So the guardrails that claim to protect and prevent misinformation are actually spitting out and regurgitating their own political bias of misinformation at scale using AI. And what if Jack doesn't want this on here? What if Jack wants to opt out of his name being used in this way? Or so these Matt, defamatory I... comments about him that aren't true right. being used? That is a legal problem for Jack or tons of other people like Jack. Or at least it's a cultural problem. And right now he has no legal recourse. I'm not sure that he necessarily is entitled to one, but the idea, see, here's the problem. There's going to always be, we've always had sources of false information, but what we have now is institutions and technologies that are really just the voices of institutions or groups of people or institutions posing as empirical fact, posing as science. Trust the science, right? But they're just people garbage in garbage out so oh well this is this is questionhub.google.com these answers must be reliable Kristen, this has been incredible thank you very much for keeping us up to date on this i can't wait to get this out and get the conversation going i'm going to talk again real soon thank you ron thanks for having me thank you hey thank you for listening to the coleman nation podcast don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.